Hey guys, it's Jeff, and we're back with the Pop Goggles Podcast. I had Alexis Nyers with me today at the Beverly Center. I want to thank them for hosting us. And we had a wild discussion. It started off with a crazy story, and then we dove into addiction in the show and what it was like going through that time and what her life is like now. And I also asked her some questions on pop culture and, and her opinions on some starlets and things like that. And it was a great conversation, and I can't wait for you guys to listen. It's so much better. Everyone, I am so excited. I'm here with Alexis Haynes Nee Nyers. Yes. You're still known professionally as Alexis Nyers. I'm sure I probably am. I don't know. I wanted to get away from... As soon as I got married, the benefit to getting married <laughs> for me was changing my last no, name. No, your name was tarnished a little bit. N- yeah, no lie. Okay, well, my name is Jeff Epstein. And- <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you feel about your name being Jeff Epstein now? You know, in this current climate, it is thrilling, <laughs> fulfilling. <laughs> Are you getting death threats? Not death Some really nasty things, though. People are like, how dare you try to like make a mockery of that? And I was like, that's my fucking name. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff Epstein didn't kill himself. It didn't. That's I what know. I've got to say. Okay. The fucking government. I'm with you. I But I just stay away from that topic because I want to <laughs> say my name. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I'm so excited to have you. So we had, I've been trying to get you for a little bit. I know. It's been one thing after another. One thing after another. I'm Alexis sorry. was on her deathbed last <laughs> last month. Her whole family. She was like, guys, it's, she's like, it's, it's run through the house. It is. It, the flu is something that when it hits, it's like so fast mm-hmm. and so intense. And yeah. then like one person goes down and then the other and then the other. And it was just my poor baby still dealing with it. Oh. I just took her to the pediatrician again to get on antibiotics, which I hate doing, but she's still so sick. Yeah. No, I knew, I was like, you know what, she will show up though, because again, we show up. We do. We do. Yeah. Um, we meaning us sober people, mm-hmm. so I knew she'd come through. So excited to have you. You, so I followed you, I watched Pretty Wild, mm-hmm. and when I was watching Pretty Wild, like, you and I have the same using timeline, I think, and I think, with how old are you, 27, 28? I'm 28. Me too. When did you start doing heroin? When I was 16. 17. Okay, so mine was like 2008. Yeah, I was. I started dabbling in pills and heavier drugs when I was about fifteen, okay, newly fifteen. And then by the time I was sixteen, I was it was off to the races. Okay, no, but I remember it was the same timeline. So like, I would be watching the show, and then I knew it was going on because those pictures had come out. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my god! And so I followed your story. And then you probably don't remember this, but this was maybe in like two thousand twelve, no thirteen, because you were sober for a bit. And I had reached out to you. I was struggling. And I was like, where can I go for like a free bed? And like you had responded to me and you're like, check this place, check that place. It's so hard. It's It's so so hard hard to find free treatment. Mm -hmm. It's literally impossible. Did you end up getting a free bed somewhere? I went to Impact. Okay. I AM8 after 10 days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Yeah, and then I had, I had I got sober January 18, 2018, so it's just about two years. Um, but that time, I just started going to meetings. Like, I had gone to treatment two other times after impact, and then I was yeah. like, I just kept AMAing. Yeah. It's like, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not easy to stay put. I think, um, and I'm dealing with a client at our treatment center right now who's struggling, and I said, you know, learning to sit in our discomfort – 
And sorry we're getting dark so fast. I know. Um, Learning to sit in our discomfort is the solution to getting through, like to achieving long-term sobriety. And we don't have the tools necessary to do that. And our brains are literally hijacked and we have to develop new neural pathways. And so, so many people AMA, I mean, I think the average amount of time people have to go to rehab in order to achieve sobriety is like 12 or something absurd. Um, and you know, and I also think that the old treatment model is no longer working. Mm -hmm. I think the reason we have such a high success is because we work from a place of love and tolerance and compassion and, um, you know, self, self-realization and self-development and learning how to trust yourself again. And so um, people are having a good time rather than the old-fashioned, like, punitive 12-step approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, it's hard out there, even more so now. I feel like it's yeah. just getting worse and worse. You're lucky you got sober two years ago. I know. I know, and it's so crazy, too, because a lot of people are like, oh, the opioid epidemic epidemic and like you and I had kind of started before that and I always mm. explain that to people I'm like when I was doing it like nobody else was really doing it yeah I would ask my drug dealers for heroin and they're like what the fuck, fuck? or I would say kids with like <laughs> around high school like you do heroin yeah and I was like yeah they're like heroin and I was like yes yeah yeah it's crazy it is crazy um we'll jump into that more but so like I said I'm so excited to have you I wanted you to tell like every guest tells like a wild story so mm-hmm. some of mine have been like a wild night with like a car accident, like like a messy pre-sobriety story. Okay. And so think of one maybe ideally like with you and Tess, if she's okay, okay with telling it. Like, So okay. Tess and I were, I was 17 years old okay. and we were hired for this modeling gig in Paris. <laughs> I've never told this story. I hope the person who did this doesn't try to kill me. But let's just say he was a very high... Okay, we got hired to do this photo shoot in Paris. So we arrive at LAX and we realize that we're flying first class to Paris. Now, I wasn't going to complain, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But we got, it was this lingerie modeling gig at the Hotel Crayon, which is like the most beautiful hotel in Paris. And Tess and I... First of all, I'm always the one that smuggled the drugs. So I've got like... I, that was one of my questions for you is like, how did you up travel? the vagina. Them? Okay. So I've got all these pills up my vagina, obviously wrapped in various whatever. whatever. Uh-huh. And we get on the plane. We each take a Xanax. We've had a couple of glasses of champagne and we're living our best life. Like, yeah. this is the fucking dream. Because okay. up until then... What people didn't realize before Pretty Wild is that my family actually was really struggling financially. In 2008, when, well, a little bit before 2008, my dad, who was a huge director of photography, he did Friends and the Nanny, he was probably making at least a half a mil a year, became homeless. I heard you say this. He lost everything. And so I grew up kind of poorer in a very rich community and we moved into this tiny townhouse me and my sisters my mom and eventually my new stepdad and the writers went on strike in the industry and all of my family was out of work 
And so we were like living off of my dad's food stamps, couldn't even afford toilet paper at certain points. I mean, it was bad. And so here I was, this 17-year-old drug addict who got hired for this modeling gig that I think we found on like Model Mayhem, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And we were fucking thrilled, okay? So we get on this plane, first class, and we're with the designer and a couple of the other models. Some of the girls are coming from Australia and like all over the world to do this shoot, right? Mm. And we get off the plane and we're picked up in Maybox and given <laughs> 10 grand cash each. And again, I didn't think anything. And this is, I'm so high. We were smoking Oxycontin in the bathroom on the plane. I mean, like when I say I was so high that I ate the fagua that was served to me on the plane. You don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> You don't eat caviar, fagua, or anything like that when it comes from a plane. Okay? I mean, listen, I know about Disgusting. being high on airplanes, so, so I, I get just it. ate whatever. It was just gross. And were you thinking that? So wait, when you got the ten grand and you saw the Maybox, were you like, this is some sort of like, <laughs> I was like Saudi? This is so, I was like, no, I was like, this, like the reference I would use now is like, this is must be what, like, this. this is like what Kendall Jenner probably has, right? Like this, like I'm now at Kendall Jenner level. Like that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was I'm in home. 17. Yeah. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Okay. And so that first night we're told to like get dressed up and we're going to go to dinner. So we get picked back up in the May box and when we arrived at dinner, there was these three men and all of the security. And it turns out that the three men were very, very high. And I don't necessarily want to say that they're princes, mm. but something like that from the Middle East. Awesome. That and was my intuition. Intuition. <laughs> and it turned out that while, yes, Tess and I were there for the modeling gig, some of the girls were there to potentially become the U.S. girlfriends for these men who were married with children and whatever. I really hope they don't come after me after. (laughs) This is not good. This is fine. Whatever. (laughs) Um, It's been many, many years. But uh, basically, of course, Tess, and this is how we got our show, we're very... Our energy together was very intoxicating. People would I mean, just fall <laughs> in love with us. Yeah. And so, of course, this the head guy and his brother ended up falling for Tess and I. And so we do this shoot and we're going to the Louvre and we're, you know, being wined and dined and all of this stuff. And then it's about a couple of days before we are supposed to leave and we realize that the designer um, is missing. <laughs> wait, and wait. no, like okay. literally missing. Like we've been out all night. We've been partying, whatever, with all of the girls and these guys. I'm sweating. And she's missing. And so, <laughs> but we didn't think much of it. We were just like, maybe she's just out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Please tell me she's alive. We get, she's alive. Okay. <laughs> We get a knock on our door that morning. Tess and I were staying in this beautiful suite. You can imagine, like, oh, my God, it was just gorgeous. We're sitting outside sipping our lattes on the balcony, and we get a knock on our door, and they say, 
I'll leave out the gentleman's names, obviously. They want to see you. And so we go into their room in the morning. And they basically offer us each, um, I believe it was $150,000 a year cash. Um, We can stay in L.A. They'll put us up in a beautiful mansion in Malibu. And, like, basically, we just have to be their, like, girlfriends. Okay, that sounds like a deal of a lifetime, though. <laughs> and Tess and I, well, I don't know exactly what happened with Tess because eventually we were separated. I politely <laughs> you're like, declined. You're like, I think Tess was living in Malibu. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but we were already talking about, like, the show and all yeah. the stuff. We were, you know... We each politely declined. Well, when we went back to our room, we went out shopping that day, thinking nothing of it, because there was eight other beautiful women that were there specifically for to be options as mates for these men. Like, we weren't a part of the deal. These other girls were, though. Like, they came on this trip expecting. Yeah, we were going to be supermodels. They were going to be supermodels turned escorts. Mm Mm-hmm. Excuse me while I sip my tea. No, I was doing the same thing. My throat is... Um, So we go out shopping and um, we're just so naive. We didn't realize how actually like scary this was, I guess. And when we came back to our room, we began packing back up because it was time to leave the following day. And both of our passports were gone. And we were like... (laughs) Okay, that's weird. Maybe we lost them. So we're like (laughs) looking all over the room. And I opened the door to go across to the other girl's room to see if maybe like when we were out, maybe we, you know, put it in our someone else's purse or whatever we've been drinking and using and whatnot. And his security was standing outside of our door. And so at this point, my street smarts kick in and I was like, holy shit like we're gonna be kidnapped i was like this took a while we're, to kick in we're gonna be <laughs> it took like a long time like, drugs yeah, and alcohol i get it they really lower your ability to be you know, conscious listening to this in sobriety i'm like there are a lot of stuff <laughs> so um we ended up i was like okay what are we gonna do what are we gonna do so I start like talking really loudly in the room and being like, Tess, our passports are missing and we're underage. We need to call the U.S. consulate. <laughs> like I'm like yelling, right? So I go to pick up the phone and um, dial out. And when I ask the front desk to dial me out to the U.S. consulate because our passports are missing, they said, I'm sorry, the phone calls have been restricted in your room and we're not able to... <laughs> I'm like, whatever. You should have called Nancy Joe. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So long story short, I started throwing this whole shit fit and I ended up. Picture from the Nancy Joe's. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Like I was losing my fucking mind. We went out to, I was like, okay, but we got to play it cool or whatever. We're going to be okay. We went out to dinner that night. And when I came back, our passports were back in the safe in our room. The next day, we 
pack up our stuff, we leave. And I remember Tess and I were sitting, standing in the elevator, like squeezing each other's hands. Like, are we really going to like make it to the airport right now? Like once we make it to the airport, everything's fine. Like there's nothing that they can do to us. We get to the airport and guess who's there? The designer. (sighs) And we're all, and she looks like she's been in a mental institution for five days. Like, you know, when someone's so heavily sedated, Mm -hmm. she was. He, that first night that we were out partying and of course Tess and I were being flirty and whatever, we had no idea what was going on. They told her that they wanted us and she said, no, you can't have them. They're not part of this thing. You know, they're just my girls from LA. And he fucking 51 would her ass in Paris, <laughs> shot her up with Halidol for like days, and then dropped her ass at the fucking airport. I shit you not. You cannot make this up. And so I didn't she told it, you all this when you... I didn't. Yeah. And she so she told... Well, she didn't tell me. She, I was just like, where have you been? Like, what has been going on? <laughs> and she was like a zombie. And then finally, like a few weeks later, she was like, I'm scared for my life. Like, I'm freaking <laughs> not, the fuck out. It's no, funny, it's, it's, absurd. it's absurd. I left that out of the book just because I felt like someone would come and kill me. Okay, I feel you. There's certain things that I like also <clears throat> don't say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. We have, yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. That was a great story. No, that was perfect. One of the best, I would say, <laughs> that we've had so far. Timmy, <clears throat> best story we've had That's, yet. Uh, put that in there boss yeah yeah um i feel like obviously because of our our background our stories are extreme so like a lot of times i'll say mine and my guests will say theirs and they're like well yours is crazy yours is the first like (laughs) not only rival mine but (laughs) and i mean we have many i mean in my book there's lots of stuff partying at you know i had to hide his name in the book but kid rock's house and yeah getting held at gunpoint in la same same thing I mean, just so many crazy, I mean, being raped by one of the biggest club promoters in LA. And I mean, there was just so much crazy shit that happened. I mean, I'm just, every day that I'm alive, I'm like, thank you, God. Yeah. Living in gratitude. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing story. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and I'll ask you some questions. Okay. All right, cool. It's so much better. Okay, so first question I have for you is, do you still have the little brown BB kitten heels in the tweet skirt? Oh my god, my mom sold the shoes. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm so mad. Like, so Andrea. many. For, like, nothing, too. I'm like, bitch, you should have. Um, but I got rid of the shirt of me where I was screaming on the phone with Nancy. It was like, plaid, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? You have nothing you know, from that? these are, like, iconic moments. I don't know. It's sad. I wish I still had the shoes. I'm livid with Andrea right now. Can I tell you something, though? This is a secret. I guess the shoes weren't really BB. They were guess. Okay, same. Wet (laughs) wet seal, guess, BB, Delia's, whatever. (laughs) It's all in the same realm. But the fact that It wouldn't have sounded as good. They were from guess. Little brown BB kitten heels of my tweet skirt. (laughs) Um, It's incredible. Yeah. Does it annoying when people ask you to reenact? Like, I've seen you on podcasts, too, and they ask you to reenact it, and you're like, I get it. It's big. I get it, and I'll do it, it's but annoying. I think it's obnoxious. It is obnoxious. Um, For them to I ask did you. it on E.T. Entertainment Tonight a few weeks ago, and that was fine. Yeah. She was, like, a real super, super fan. Have you ever seen the meme of the Star Wars intro, but that it's all the Nancy Joe call text? <laughs> so it's like, bum, bum, ba-da-bum, bum. 
and it's like <laughs> scrolling through space. No, that's incredible. <laughs> she made it. <laughs> so that's incredible. I was like, fuck, I'll do it for you. Yeah. You're like a diehard. I love it. I've memed her. I've memed that footage a lot too. Yeah. I did the one where it was like, I'm going to tell my kids it's keeping up with the Kardashians yeah, it's recently. Yeah, so good. Um, to me, it is better. Really, we should have had a season two, just like fast forward a couple of years so we could have gotten our shit together. But yeah. I'll ask you about that. So that was a joking question. Um, all right. First and foremost, how did you start using and how long before the show did you start using? Mm-hmm. And like, was it like a year or two before? So like. No, I think I was trying to escape like since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of early childhood sexual abuse and trauma, violence in my household and addiction and alcoholism and just kind of neglect overall. And so I was really young by the time I was like, I don't even know, 12. I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, I just can't live. I can be here, but I can't like mentally be here. The stress is too much. And I was already flunking out of school by fourth grade. Like, I just couldn't keep up because of all of this shit going on in my house so I'd say by the time I was like a preteen, um I was already like st- sneaking warm beers from friends garages and you know behaviors like that and then I had a surgery I think I was 14 almost 15 and uh it was I was on opiates for a long time it was a big like surgery Vicodin. like Vicodin or Ugh. whatever but I remember Maybe it was Norco, but I, t- I took it and I was like, this is great. Like, I'm home. This is where it's at. Like, how do I achieve this feeling all the time? And so, um, but, you know, I didn't have access to that. And then I went, I switched high schools specifically because I wanted to go to like a partying high school. By the way, I barely graduated eighth grade. And so, <laughs> I didn't like, know that was barely, yeah, there's like an eighth grade culmination, whatever, okay. going yeah. into high school. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, I switched schools to like the partying school, and I had just had that surgery, and I found a pretty consistent Vicodin dealer, which was great. And then he would give me lean sometimes, so I, Scissor. you know, do the syrup here and there, and I was smoking pot and drinking on a regular basis. So it was many years before, and it's funny because I'm about to have Luke's story on my podcast. I'm a big fan of his podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been trying to get him for like fucking months, probably since the early days of my podcast, so a little over, or about a year ago. <clears throat> And I finally messaged him, just commented on one of his photos, and he goes, shut the fuck up. I dressed you for a Marilyn Manson music video. (laughs) (laughs) And so it all kind of clicked, and he finally agreed to come on the podcast, and he goes, you are the craziest chicks I have ever (laughs) met in my life. And I was like, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. So what ended up transpiring was I was using, could not stay in school, because I would ditch school every day with my best gay friend, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Um, and we, I ended up doing this like alternative school that helped you get your GED. So I graduated. Was this when your mom was homeschooling you? She never really homeschooled us. I like, I think she loves to pretend that she did, but really I had a teacher that would, that like helped me. Right. And so I took my GED, graduated and I started working 
modeling gigs and music video girl stuff. Saudi girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Denying offers to be, you know, a escort. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And all, you know, all of that craziness. So it was a number of years because I think we got the show right when I had just turned 18. We signed the contract, yeah, in June. And that's when I turned 18. So So you were an adult when you signed it? I, yeah, I just turned 18. Your birthday's in June? What day? Yeah, 20th. I'm the June 14th. Oh, my so dad's birthday is June 14th. so is Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yeah. I don't like that day anymore. I'm like, guys, my birthday is Donald Trump, so my name is Jeff Epstein. Uh, uh, um, yeah, it's incredible. Okay. Oh, so we're like six days apart. There you go. There you go, Gemini. Yes. You're by a day. I am, because the next day is uh, cancer. There's nothing more fun than a Gemini heroin addict. I would say you're right. We're <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. We're a lot of work. <laughs> I remember I told my sponsor, I was like, I'm a lot. He's like, no, 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 I got it. And then a few months in, he's like, I bit off a little more than you. <laughs> I told you. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Um, okay, so that had happened. So you hadn't, by the time it started, were you using heroin or oxys? Oh, I was, I started with, so I started with a narco lean. I was like, a, you know, I always say, what was your drug of choice? D, all of the above. You right. know what I mean? Like I was a trash can. <clears throat> didn't matter. I was smoking crack at 15. Like I was oh. crazy. Yeah. Um, and dealing cocaine. I had this drug dealer boyfriend at the time. And then he and Tess and Gabby were partying with this weirdo who got oxy. And they came and picked me up from a friend's house in the valley. Not a friend's house. I think I was at like a TJ Maxx or something. And they're like, you got to try this. (laughs) And so I tried it and I was like, this is it. And I remember my boyfriend who was like a fucking bad junkie. Was that the one you got sober with Vice? I saw Mm -hmm. that. Kevin, he looked at me and was like, this is a problem. You should never do this again. And I called him the very next day and I was like, how do I get more? My first op- opiate that I ever did was heroin. I didn't know what it was. Somebody put powder in front of my face. It's mm. New Jersey. So it's the East Coast. You snort it. So I snorted it. And the next day I said, what was that? He said, heroin. I said, let's get it again. Yeah. That, uh, that happened to me with meth and coke. Someone told me it was coke, but it was meth. I snorted some meth. Oh, it burned so bad. It was the worst thing. And I remember just being fucking jacked for like <laughs> two days. I, I was know. like, this is horrible that's the people are like what's the difference my coke last 15 minutes i'm like meth, meth last, last days. days it's horrible yeah it's horrible yeah. yeah i uh definitely not a fan of uppers me neither for sure okay so, but so yeah by the time the show is doing you were doing heroin uh yeah but it could oxy's and heroin we were still it's like when we had a constant supply of oxy's oxy's were hard to get back then okay. you had to have a dealer who had a prescription who could 45 bucks a pill Mm-hmm. For 80s. Um, for 80s. Okay. And one pill would last me. I mean, like, I could smoke a pill in 15 minutes. Like, it's just, like, gone. I'm I would just high. snort them, so I would just rail yeah, one after. Yeah, yeah. one after. It was just, like, insane how fast those would go. And so when we couldn't get that, then we would use black tar. And so, because I saw those pictures come out. Those pictures mm-hmm. came out when you were filming. But how long before filming were those pictures? Like, were they... While you're no, at the same time. So everyone thought we were living in this house. We were living in the Best Western, right? Yeah, but we were really living in a Best Western. Yeah. Down the street from the nice mansion. We were living in this really shitty hotel. And um, my fucking drug dealer took a picture of us smoking oxys 
stole 10 grand cash from me, which stupidly I thought hiding, I would hide my money and, and I would like fold up my jeans and then stick the money in the leg of the jean and then fold it nice and put it in the, in my, um, in my drawer in the room that I was living in. And Tess asked him, which I still think, and maybe this makes me a conspiracy theorist that she was in on this. Um, because she would do something like that. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. She, wouldn't we all as drug addicts? Oh, that's what I mean, yeah. They were moving us room to room because we'd always have to switch rooms because we were at a hotel. <laughs> and she was like, they must have like picked up the pants or whatever and felt it. And, the, uh, and so they... Oh, she's in on it. Sorry, I don't know. I think yeah. she was. And, okay. But regardless, um, uh, yeah, it sucked. And okay. uh, we... So he took the pictures and then he sold them to Nick Ritchie on the Dirty. Uh-huh. I remember I saw Who I'm actually weirdly friends with now. And I actually like him, even though he's like a staunch Trump supporter, which I think is he disgusting. Lives yeah. He lives in Orange County. I mean. But a couple of years in my sobriety, or maybe a year into my sobriety, I, came I, on, I went on his podcast mm-hmm. and we kind of just like hashed it out. And I was like, you know what? I think what you did was pretty shitty, but... You know, you had a job to do. I was going to say you wanted to make money. I remember I watched that too. Again, am I using? Mm-hmm. I was. I think it was like downtown, sitting and like watching my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you got the show, were you worried about hiding it? Because mm. that was my my thing with the commitment. And I told you earlier about like I think we might have been off air about um, like traveling and stuff. Like I was always scared of making big commitments or taking on this thing because I'm like, how am I going to hide it? So you're like, how am I? Gonna- no, I had zero fucks. <laughs> There was like no, (laughs) there was like no, um, I think I was just really, I was operating from a constant state of chaos and just like pain and emotional shit. And so it's always like living on automatic pilot manic, like, let's just, we're just going to fucking figure it out. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and so of course, you know, when you're making 10 plus thousand dollars a week. Is that how much they were paying you? Yeah, and I had to, you know, of course, cut in my attorney and all that stuff. But um, my drug habit went, like, through the roof. Okay. And so did they start to figure it out? I mean, Oh, yeah. Because I think it's, you know what's more <laughs> indicative do. of, like, it's more so when you see them withdrawing. Mm. That's when people always figure it out with me, like, oh, you're withdrawing. Did they see you kicking or? Um, They did. The, okay, they saw us kicking because... Um, our drugs were flushed. I won't say in by Mexico. who in Mexico. I heard that too. Yeah. I um, would have. I, when I, I, I listened I to would, that. It was I, like death. I wanted to. It was, and so everyone saw me having this meltdown over Javier and we have to leave. But the reality was we were like, we got to get the fuck out of here and get back to LA. Being dope sick on a plane is the worst. It's the worst. I've never been. Well, I've been that sick before because I kicked in jail, jail both yeah. times. But that was a pretty big low for me. Like I remember them dropping us off at the hotel and you could just feel the disappointment in the air. <laughs> but you're like, you know, how do I get to downtown to like score some like shitty dope right now? Were you copying downtown? I was copying wherever I could. I mean, I was driving to the gnarliest places following around my drug dealers for like eight blocks until they finally pulled over and then one of us would go get in the car and then they'd spit uh-huh. the uh-huh. bag out of their fucking mouth and then leave us there until they'd have to come back and pick me up or whatever you know 
Okay, wait, but so so they flushed it <clears throat> because they had started to notice what was happening. Mm. And they caught, they saw the drugs, yeah. Oh, they physically saw them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like when you want to use, would you go in the bathroom? Mm-hmm. But you were mic'd. We turn off our mics. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't hear it. We had a lot of fun with those mics. I would, my our sound guy, bless him. He was this kind of nerdy little guy, and he he would have to mic us in bikinis. And I mean, he must have seen our tits. I don't even know how oh, yeah. many times in our asses and all of that stuff. Because he used to run mics through our clothes and hide them and stuff like that. And I'd be like, Hey, I can't wait to tickle your ass later. <laughs> 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 and Tess would get him too, and we would just have. His name was Oscar. Hi, Oscar. Hi, Oscar. <laughs> God bless Oscar. Oh. Yeah. But so they, wait, were you shooting during that time or no? No, no. We were smart. We were smarter than that. We knew if we started having track marks, it was trouble. Like, Ooh. we would get caught. Okay. So they figured it out. And then that's when you're like, okay, the show's not going to continue. Like, this is, and because of the legal stuff. No, I mean, we thought the show was going to continue. Uh, <laughs> you like, guys, were <laughs> Well, I mean, we were. It was. No, you actually we were. We yeah. were having very strong numbers millions and millions of of views every uh every week i think it was so i mean don't quote me on that but i believe it was no i remember yeah it was it was big and so um the season ended and i went to jail i remember next to Lindsay lohan herself for a little bit mm-hmm. i remember you did that interview after and you said i that. regret that to this day but i and the thing is it's like i get it so i, used I needed to, money so they were gonna offer me money and i was like i'll do whatever it takes to get some money right now i'm gonna mount something to you so i used to date mm-hmm. and i then i used to work for her and stuff and then after that i sold the story and like so i know exactly what it's like it's like you just want money and like to that day that's one of my biggest like that's and i made up making I made amends. public amends uh-huh. i have um seen her in in spaces where other people congregate and sobriety and i i don't that case britney spears are two of the saddest okay i i want you to save that because we're going to move into a segment where i have you touch on things like that it's sad it's very sad sad. but yeah i mean there's there i got out and there's like green lights right and then obviously red is no and we were kind of this yellow moment and it became increasingly more clear that um because I got out and I went back to using that this was not gonna. You kicked your entire thirty days in there, right? And the and the producers had tried to get us on Suboxone at that point, and we've been. I mean, it was just fucking relentless. Did you try to slow down before you went to jail, or you just fully kicked in there? No, I just. <laughs> there was so much. That's the thing is with shame, and I love Brene Brown. I talk about her all the time. Shame really cripples us, and the amount of shame that I had around. My sexual abuse and mm-hmm. just feelings of unworthiness, like my body is not my own, like I'm dirty. Um, the shame that I had around my chaotic childhood and my schooling, and then the public humiliation that came along with Pretty Wild and uh, the bling ring and the court case and all of that. It it was like there was I couldn't stop using because I didn't have the tools to necessarily. The necessary no, tools to deal. Off. You can't jump off at that point. So I, I kicked, and it became really clear to me in jail. I mean, I was in protective custody, so you're by yourself <sighs> 23 out of 24 hours a day. And, uh, you know, it became really, really clear to me that 
heroin was a problem, <laughs> you know? It didn't become clear to me that I was the problem, so, you know, and that's the solution. But, like, heroin, I was like, yeah, this is an issue. I want to quickly touch on something. I heard you tell a story, too. I think this is when you got rearrested and mm-hmm. you tried to drown yourself in the toilet. And uh-huh. then when you, that cord appearance, your hair is so... Well, yeah, I was like, so... <laughs> so the second time... Oh, wait, wait. So we'll start. So you got out. So I got out. You started using And I had him. every intention of staying sober. And then, you know, Tess came over and it was... Oh, off you're the like, races. Please. Yeah, it was yeah. like... She just... She had dope. And I was of like, she oh, did. yeah, let's get... She's not going to stop because you're in there. Hi. Yeah. yeah. She, um... So we started, you know, I mean, but that night that I got out, I went to In-N-Out. Okay. And then I went to a girlfriend's house. Okay. Um, who I had been sleeping with and found out that she had a boyfriend now. So that was pretty bad. And so then I got fucking wasted and then like found myself at home in my shower just like crying like for like hour like I came to in my shower just like bawling and I remember my hand shaking so bad just trying to like shave my legs because you don't shave when you're in jail they give you like a single blade razor I mean you can't like shave your whole body like that it's horrible and so I was just like what have I done? And then when Tess came, came back, with, I was like, oh my God. You're like, let let's, me out. Yeah, let's yeah. go. But, so you had started shooting at that point? <clears throat> I had been shooting heroin um, after there was a time period between when the show ended and when I went into jail that first time. And we had begun uh, shooting heroin and there was an overdose and, and there and... Yeah. That happened to me. I always say, people would always say it to me because, like, I went through, I think, maybe five years of using without it. And they were always like, once you start shooting, and that's the same thing, like, I would overdose, it just gets so much worse. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you get out, you're shooting heroin, and then December 10th, when you're wearing that Freebird shirt. December 1st. First. Yeah. You're, getting, you're wearing that Freebird shirt. Yeah. Which is incredible. I'm asleep <laughs> at my mom's house because I, uh, I had a tiny little studio apartment in Burbank. And I couldn't afford my gas or my heat or electric. And so it was, it, it was an unreasonably cold winter. I remember you said this. You went to sleep and you fell asleep with Gabby. Yeah. And so I went to my mom's house. And uh, and I remember that night just looking at myself in the mirror in the downstairs bathroom and just going like, this is bad. Like, you can't keep going on like this. And... Um, and that was kind of like a moment of surrender of just like, I'm sick of this thing. And I didn't know what the next steps would be. No one in my family has ever gotten sober and gone to treatment. I'm the first one. So that next morning, yeah, the cops raided my house. I went to jail and I spent 10 days back in jail. LA County? Worst detox. Yeah. The, Linwood? Um, Linwood Correctional okay. Facility back in uh, protective custody. And I knew I was facing like three to six years in prison because I'd violated my probation. What was your actual sentence for the bling ring thing? Um, six months? It was six months with a th- with three years of probation and, th- and a three to six year suspension. So if you violate in those three years, then you automatically are mandated to serve the amount of time that you would have originally got it so they give you six months as kind of like 
you're going to do six months. You're going to, you know, pay your dues. You're going to do three years of probation. And if you fuck up, then you got to serve your full sentence. Was it first degree burglary? I don't remember if it was a first degree residential or it was accomplice or, or what it was. It's a robot. Um, I'm just curious. It's not on my record anymore. There you <laughs> go. I don't know. <laughs> but um, you'll get it cleared. I know. I it takes know. time. It does. Um, but yeah. Okay. So then, yeah. And then you get arrested <clears throat> and you, whatever. And then so you tried to flush your. I mean, at that point. So I, I that was the most violent. Excuse me. <clears throat> there goes my voice. That was the most violent detox. I mean, I woke up in the middle of the night shitting and barfing myself at the same time. And the most embarrassing part about that is that you get one outfit for the whole week. I know. So once you <laughs> shit and barf in that outfit, you have to beg a trustee who is another inmate to come and clean up your fucking shit on the floor and barf everywhere. Like I was, and I couldn't shower because first of all, I wasn't allowed shower privileges for those first two days, uh, three days. And then by the time I got to Linwood, shower time was already over because I was sitting in Las Virginas Police Department for like three days because they couldn't get me into Linwood because it was a weekend. Oh, and so, so you're sitting in a holding sitting cell, in kicking. A holding oh cell kicking the worst, the worst experience of my life. I'll never forget how dark and I, painful that was. Kicking jail if you don't, is brutal. And so then I'm finding myself. So I finally tried to shower, but I literally couldn't because the water pressure felt like icicles being stabbed into my skin and like my eyeballs like i've never had to kick like that and i think i too was taking a lot of benzos too so i was doing with benzo withdrawal i mean it's a surprise to me that i didn't Didn't die but yeah i tried to kill myself you can't you can't drown yourself is what i found you can't hang yourself Yeah, yeah it's like there's no option so i hadn't showered by the time that i went into the courts on national television in front of all these people. I had been kicking for 10 days. Yeah. And like hadn't showered and in that period of time either. That's also always my first thought, especially when I know somebody's an opiate addict, as soon as they get arrested, I go, Oh my God, they're going to have to kick in jail. So Mm -hmm. I knew that too. And I was like, and when you first like went to your jail sentence, I was like, Oh, she's going to have to kick. And And here's the thing that I'd say to anybody. And I hope no one has to go through this. It's just fucking tell them. Just tell them you're on benzos give you clonidine. and whatever. Yeah, it makes it. It just takes uh-huh. the fucking edge off. They'll give you Librium if you say and come out benzos. They yeah, gave me exactly. Librium and clonidine. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get shit. I, <laughs> I begged. I mean, I and then I finagled and one of the two of the times I didn't. Get, and yeah. It's yeah. horrible. <laughs> it's it's horrible. People don't understand. I say kicking in jail is. We've been through it. Like people mm. don't realize that. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. So, okay, so then you do that. You go to Sober Recovery Center because he offered you a bed. And then I remember seeing in the media that Tessa joined you. Uh-huh. Did you relapse with her? It was reported that one of you had heroin in your rooms. Uh, that was Tess. Okay, okay. It's not funny, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she and snuck it in so or she, she had somebody drop it off? She uh, had someone drop it off. And, okay. Uh, she was politely asked to leave, and um, she just wasn't ready. Get it? I get it. So you get sober, 
And you said it was about like a year in that you meet Evan. You're hot. <laughs> I So I met Evan in early recovery because um, okay. we would go to the same noon meeting. At the time, I was going to multiple meetings a day. And I would see this group of young guys who I'm still friends with today, Jared, AJ, Evan, Renee, and they were fucking doing the deal, you know, and you can tell you're, you're in an 11 step meeting and they're talking and you're just like the energy of this group of dudes is amazing. Um, but my shares were like just (laughs) so ego, so fucking chaos. So, and they would all look at me like this poor thing. Like I'm horrified by my beginning for shares. Yes, so awful. bad, mm-hmm. so bad, and so um, I I had a relapse on whippets a couple months into treatment. Were and you on like passes that you're so you were phased? I was in up. sober living. Okay, right, you phased up. Okay, and my uh, roommate was working at Starbucks, and she got all the little whipped cream nitrous thing. Yeah, so we all did some whippets because we knew it wouldn't show up as a, on a drug test and. Like I said, I was just full of like ego and not ready at all to do the work um, because my pain was just too big. Like it just felt like a monster. Like if I let it in, then it, I would just be destroyed. Wait, real quick. Do you know what I thought of? You were legally, you legally had to be there. So did you get in trouble for re- relapsing? So because they didn't have a dirty drug test, no, and but I kept you, it a secret. But had the, had I, mm-hmm, I yeah, would have been, been to prison. And yeah, I yeah. would have gone to prison. And okay. so, um, I mean, that was just my guardian angels. Like, I mean, and look now, like, had I, I mean, like, uh, I don't even know. Like, I literally had like angels watching over me that day, and um, I crawled my ass into that eleven step meeting, and I walked up to Evan, my now husband of seven, almost eight years. And I said, I don't know how to do this, but I need a sponsor. And do you know of any women who would be a good fit for me? And he gave me this chick, Hannah's number. And um, Hannah was like, I can't, you know, and here's my rejection, right? Like, I can't sponsor you. Here's another one. Here's one of my sober sisters, whatever, Mm -hmm. in the same, like, group. And I was like, okay. So it took me like a week and a half to call Deborah, and um, Deborah. Deborah is this. You know, she got twenty years sober off heroin. She lives in Topanga. She's a freaking costume designer, mm-hmm. like the fucking baddest chick around. Just what I needed, yep. right? And so I'm like, well, there's the universe perfectly you know Hannah wasn't the sponsor for me. Deborah was the sponsor for me, and so um, it disappeared for a couple of months and really just dove into the work. And I came back to that meeting a few months later after I'd done my like sixth step. And uh, Evan was like, oh my God, like you're a different person. And I started hanging out with the group of people who were like living in the work, who had 10, five, seven um, a year sober, whatever it is, you know, like a collective, like a good amount of time. And I would go to the meeting and then sit at coffee and have even more meetings. And then I'd go to therapy and then I would go to school and then I would do all of these things. What do you know? My life started changing and Evan and I started dating right when I was 
starting to transition out of soba. So you almost had a year because you're not supposed to. Be <clears throat> year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had just under a year. And, uh, and, then you month, were, and then we were married. Like, it was fast. When you were transitioning out of SOBA, that's when you, like, legally, you weren't bound anymore. Like, it was... Yeah, I completed... I was on probation. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, did, I ended up doing so well that they got me off probation early, two years early. Damn. Which is amazing. A, a little less than two years, actually. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> That's so crazy. You married him. And then I remember seeing an interview too around then. And I think you just kind of mentioned it. You said you're going to school. So you were going to be a counselor. Yeah, no, I went to school to become a drug and alcohol counselor. When Evan and I first started dating, I was working at a treatment center getting my hours done. Okay. Because um, you have to do intern hours in order to get your license. And... Uh, while I don't actively work as a drug and alcohol counselor right now, I still have a small um, caseload of girls that I see at our treatment center okay. on a pretty regular basis. Nice. And then I saw, too, for a little bit, you were a doula. Are you still doing that? I am. So the birth work is kind of like a passion pro. I mean, I just really, when I got sober, I knew that the solution is just throw yourself into service. And yep. so... um Birth work is something that I stumbled on just because I had a really challenging birth with my first daughter. And I was like, women shouldn't have to birth like this. We have the highest maternal mortality rate of any industrialized country of the world. And we're like the greatest country. Like, why why is this happening? Yeah. Um, and the infant mortality rate is also really high. And it's because of the way that we are giving birth in this country. It's not sustainable. And so um, doulas reduce the risk of interventions, unnecessary interventions and C-sections. Uh, the estimate is around 20%, which is pretty good because the C-section rate is around 30%. One in three women give birth via major surgery in this country, and the number's going Jesus up. Christ. It's bad, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, we're dying from complications of that. So I got into that work as kind of a passion project, and I take, actually, after this, I'm going to go meet with a mom who's 17 weeks Aww. pregnant who heard me on another podcast <clears throat> where I was talking about birth, but... Yeah, I just I think every woman deserves to give birth in the way that she wants to and to feel really supported and I especially love supporting um survivors of sexual abuse. That's kind of my specialty cuz nice. giving birth is a really hard thing when you've been sexually abused and violated. Yeah. So, um yeah, I take about 4 to 5 births a year. Okay, so you do that, and then you started getting things going. Like, you moved in with Evan, I'm assuming you got married. Yeah, um, yeah. so we, we got married, and then three months later, we were pregnant with my first daughter. And I remember she cutest baby. She's so, so cute. Oh, my God, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, she was so cute. And you announced the pregnancy with your mom at Thanksgiving in that picture. God, you really I, have it. I, I love it. I'm I here for you. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I was, was like, maybe oh 12. So that was... Well, it was great. So Evan started Aloe House, um, which was then Acadia. Okay. Um, and every year I would cook Thanksgiving dinner for everybody. And uh, so that was a really nice moment. And all the families of everybody who was in the center would come. And it was just really 
nice. So yeah, we announced. I announced it, and then um, yeah, it was great. And then it's just kind of just naturally progressed, where like you guys are just creating more treatment centers, yeah. and and then like the book, and then everything. And it's just yeah, I mean the book and the podcast were really. We had a really brutal. Um, I mean, sobriety for me is definitely, it's never a linear experience. I was just going to say it's not linear. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been lots of highs and lows. I mean, I've been suicidally depressed in sobriety a couple times. Uh, dealt with postpartum depression, anxiety disorder. I've lost countless loved ones. I, um, 2018 was, a, was specifically a really brutal year. 2018 for me was great. It was my, I still somewhere pink yeah. on this, even the past few months, like I've had a lot of people die. I was going through mm-hmm. a breakup and like people don't understand. And, but what people don't understand is that we can still be okay. Yeah. There's a difference between being like, I'm going through things because life's happening, but I'm okay. Yeah. 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 And Pain is our greatest teacher. Yeah. Um, we just have to be there for it sometimes. And I was having a really hard time being there for my pain. And I didn't realize how much anger and resentment I still had at my abusers and at my mom, actually. And so in in 2018, the Woolsey fire happened. Yeah. We were evacuated um, from our personal home. And we were in, in, in Orange County, um, and I got the call from my husband, who had just evacuated all of our clients, that five of our treatment center houses had burned down. And so it was that. We got slapped, with, and thank you, Trump, with a fucking outrageous tax bill uh, that we didn't have the money to pay, so we had to pull equity out of our house. My grandfather committed suicide. Jesus. Um, and I was dealing with postpartum depression, anxiety disorder, and I still had, I just, I was starting to notice the bubbling up in my spiritual practice that there was more work to do. Yeah. And I was like, shut it all down. Like I can't deal. I had, I remember my mental breaking point where I went over the edge and I was like, I'm either going to go into a psychosis right now or I'm going to become suicidally depressed. And I did. I always say, as we become emotionally regressive, we need to become spiritually progressive. Yeah. And there are people sometimes think like your spirituality is going to fall. It's like, no, no, no. They're not always contingent yeah. on each other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's about when you're at the bottom of the mountain looking all around, everything looks really overwhelming. When you mm-hmm. get to the top of the mountain, it's like everything looks really small. Yeah. And so the goal with the spiritual practice is to get to the top of the mountain. And I had some work to do. And so I... But at the same time, I wanted, I, I felt right before all this happened that I was ready to do the book. I didn't think anyone would take the book or me seriously before I really had about like eight years sober. And you found a publisher and they were like, okay. I self-published the book. Yeah. So I self-published the book because every publishing house that I went to told me that I could only, that that only a bling ring Bling ring. I was well. just... Even certain people don't know, like my sister was like, oh, the girl from Bring Ring. And to me, that's not who you are. Yeah. So it's so different, but I, I guess that's still some people's perception of you. That yeah. to me was, I, I, and I've heard her story too. For me, I feel like you were not even in, in it. Like it was. It was a, um, it was a really, it wasn't, it's not that it was wrong place, wrong time, because it definitely wasn't. It was, I was introduced to Nick Prugo and with it. I didn't know at the time that he had been robbing. Yeah. 
<clears throat> all of the celebrities. And then, um, yeah, one night we were out partying and I go through it. And, you know, I was no Mother Teresa. I grabbed that back. I totally. stuffed it full of shit and ran down the hill. You know, there's no, but I wasn't the mastermind that the media made it out to be. B. Well, that's what I mean. It's unfortunate that because you happen to do one of the jobs or whatever and was brought in mm -hmm. like that, then it's like they think you've done every house yeah, and all I that. I still get people who are like, you brought Paris, Paris Hilton. Hilton. And I'm like, Somebody's, that didn't happen. Somebody messaged me when I started having you on. Like, is that the girl that robbed Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan? And I was like, no. <laughs> it's I like, was like, stop fucking saying, saying it. it. Like, just get the, the story uh, straight. The account straight. I was charged yeah. with one burglary. It was at Orlando Bloom's house. And I've said this. I had this realization this year, um, you know, that that's really, it's obviously horrible and super violating and I can't even imagine um, that feeling. It's horrible and I have a lot of remorse about that time period in my life. Many people that I hurt, um, but had that not happened, I wouldn't have gotten sober and had that, had I not gotten sober, like I've literally helped hundreds of people get sober because I got sober and so, you know, one day, I Being hope that service. he realizes that, you know, like, as much as that was a horrible thing, like, on a spiritual level, like, it created a ripple effect that has helped so many. And I can't ever give him a physical amends, obviously, or make an amends, yeah. but living amends. a living amends. I, it's so funny because, like, I've been in the same situation where, like, I've been charged with burglary and I've done things like that. And then I've also been the other side where I've been violated. Like just two weeks yeah. ago, somebody stole all of my clothes and then I had mm. a motorcycle stolen. And so I know what that feels like. And I'm like, ah, like now being on that side, there's nothing I can do, but people just have to know how sorry I am. Yeah. And it's a living amends. Like I'm of service all the time. And, that's and it's all a it lesson in, um, in letting go. Of oh, it's been tough, but I, I know. know it's a, but toughest it's a thing. lesson of letting go. It can, and that's, I think what, all of that death and despair and pain that happened in 2008, it was like, you know, I have to remind myself this or something better, you yeah. know, like this, this wasn't for me. And that's hard. It's really scary. Even when I say that, like right now, even though I know that as like a spiritual truth, it's like, it's fucking scary to, yeah. um, you know, like potentially have to let go or, or to have to let go of the result, right? Like yeah. my husband could get sick tomorrow, you know, and it would just, and it's like the only moment that you have right now and is right now and you have to just really um, <laughs> realize that no matter what, like you're always taken care of and you'll be okay. You know what's so funny is that I heard this girl at a meeting recently and she was like, you know, I have all these things. And I just got engaged and everything's great. And I was about to be resentful because sometimes I get resentful towards people that share and they're like, everything's perfect and everything's great. And I'm like, oh, that's not sobriety always. And she said, she goes, but I know that if all of that got taken away right now, I'd still be okay. Still be okay. And I said, you know what? That's right. Because I had like the beginning of this year was great. I had a boyfriend, I had a marathon, all this stuff. The end of the year, things have happened. And I was like, but I'm still mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And I'm still taken care of by my higher power. Yeah. And that's what it is. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Wow, we got deep. <laughs> I, there's something before we move on to that next segment, which that won't be long. I feel like I'm talking your ear off. That's okay. I want to know where you're at with your relationship with Tess and like what's going on with her. Mm. I had fo I followed her story a fair amount too. Like actually, at one point when I was back in New Jersey, she was in New Jersey living with that boyfriend, mm. and I used to see him at probation. Mm. Um, so I just always remember that. But so like, what's what's 
your relationship with Ike? I mean, I think the only thing that I can really say at this point, we had a, a little bit of a heated interaction um, this week via text message, which is unfortunate. Oh, no, I'm sorry. But um, everybody has their own path. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I respect hers, mine, and this is not to say mine's better. It's the better way I think for me was to face my past head on and to drop all the shame about it. You can call me whatever you want. It's like duck on, you know, like water on a duck's back. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm a junkie. I own everything. I'm I'm like, I did burglary. uh I'm a junkie. Yep. Whatever. Own it all. There is, and there's a freedom in that, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can say, but that's not who I am. You know, I know who I am. And, and finding that knowing who you are is a really painful and scary process. You have to be willing to face all of it. Like, yeah, I was checking cars and fucking stealing money from my parents and fucking people over and all of it to get to here. And then some people choose to go and live other lives and to experience their own reality with people who weren't a part of that past experience. And I want nothing but the best for her and her children. And I, I thought that in the book and the people who know Tess and who were there for that experience were like, wow, you really want easy. She doesn't think so. So that's what the exchange was about. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't think so. And I'm like, I left out so much i just can't even i can't even imagine like i was so i was more than generous and i can imagine because i know what a running but like i like what that that life is like yeah and um and i did it for her kids you know because she's pregnant with her second second. and again i want nothing but the best but at the same time i kind of i'm in this hard place with, you know, keeping my abuser's names quiet and mm-hmm. keeping... I'm sick of keeping people's secrets. I really it's am. It's a lot on you. It it's feels a lot like keeping your own secrets. And it's not my shame to carry. And so it's hard when someone wants to kind of live in this fantasy world. And even down to small details, she's like, I did, that didn't happen like that. I'm like, everybody has the same account but you. Mm. And I can't do this back and forth with you i and the thing that's really that i find really challenging is that i gave her an opportunity to read the book before and she wouldn't sign a non-disclosure and i'm like i can't give you the book if you're not going to sign like the the non-disclosure and she wouldn't and it's like and so 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 she wouldn't and then i felt that i was really gracious in the book and kept a lot of really dark shit out i mean like uh, briefly i mean i just Let's just say, with all of my legal troubles, I went down for the both of us. Sure, and I've heard you say that when yeah. what her involvement was. And I uh, yeah. I went down, and and that's okay. Yeah, you just got caught, and I wouldn't I was... have it. I wouldn't have it any other way, right? Because best thing that ever happened to me, right? Right. But I realized that I can't have a relationship with someone who is not living in truth and in an authentic way. And it's really, really fucking sad and challenging because I love the fucking shit out of her and that baby. I have done so much throughout my entire life to try to save her and to try to help her. The only thing is, like, she's the only one that can 
do it for herself, you know? You don't have to answer this, but like I'm, I guess, making an assumption based <clears throat> off what you're telling me about her. And I know, I don't remember when, but somewhat previously you had said like she was sober. My assumption is that she's dry, but not in sobriety, or she's not sober, or that she was never fully in so like, I, I don't know what you can yeah. answer. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I know she doesn't actively work a program and never has. Never, I thought that too. Even yeah. when you said she's sober, and just based on what I'd seen, I was like, I don't think she works yeah. a program. She and I know that she's consuming certain things, and you know what? If it's working for her, great. I say that to everyone. It, you know what? She's not on fucking meth, heroin, crack, and whatever else, and I think that that alone is a huge, huge. accomplishment fucking it's, huge it's a very specific thing but there's but... a different there's a different that's the thing it's like and this is not like a, i'm some holier than thou this is her process and i respect that process mm -hmm. i'm in a different process and i can't continue to try to have a relationship with someone who's who's not willing to even even when I went and visited her in July and I was like I'm writing the book and I'm reflecting on all of this stuff and just how far we've come and what the relationship was like blah, blah, blah. and she's just like that didn't that's not how it was and it's, I'm like dude I <laughs> it's tough because like you always want to be proud of somebody and you're still so happy for them when they have put down like specifically with heroin addicts like okay mm -hmm. great they're not doing it and you see them still drinking or doing whatever and it's the difference between like I'm not picking up and then me being in sobriety and living in sobriety being like, I'm changing myself. And that's yeah. what I had to realize when I came into the rooms, I thought like, this is simply to stop picking up. Yeah. And a lot of my first year was that. And my second year was like, no, I'm changing myself. I'm doing the work. And maybe she is. I haven't seen that. Right. I and haven't seen, see, she's never made an amends to me. Okay. That which, speaks volumes. That is just like the fact that you've never once owned up to any of it. So I know a lot of people. It's just fucking, and and I still I was still like, oh okay, I can have a relationship with her anyways. It's all on her time, right? We don't expect amends. Yeah. But what I realized after talking to a mutual friend of ours who had a very tumultuous, I mean, Tess had a lot of crazy relationships out here. He was like, "You're never gonna get it," and I was like, "You're right." Yeah. You're Acceptance. Right. I've been there too where it's like a lot of my running buddies, they're either dead or very few are like completely sober or there's a few that just simply don't do heroin. And those are the ones that I've never gotten amends from. Continue. I'll see like on social media yeah. that their lives are still unmanageable and they're making shitty decisions. And it's a... and I don't know if she is. Right. I'm I not... mean, I... yeah. I mean, there are some indications that I worry about, but you know, it's not my job to worry. And it's really, it's just a really fucking sad situation. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a really fucking sad situation. Because I want everybody to get this gift. I always said right? too. I wanna... and, and here's the thing. You can drink all the kombucha and all the CBD and all the seven. I, this is what my podcast is all about. Right? You can do all of the fucking kundalini yoga that you want and fucking go to ayahuasca in the jungle and whatever and still be sick as fuck. I mean, I know the sickest people and, who are, yeah. you know, and, and some of the most spiritual people, spiritual in quotes, are some of the most sickest people that I've ever met. Yep. And then that, and that was my mom growing up with our life-size Buddhas in the house and the incense and all that stuff. But her subconscious mind, her, 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 the way that she was operating was from a place of fear 
lack, scarcity, trauma, pain. And so it doesn't matter how many fucking Hail Marys and affirmations you do. It's not going to change. You know, you could go do silent meditations for weeks, but if you're not really getting to the core of what's going on, it's pointless. I remember hearing too that you said she's sober. So does she work a program? <clears throat> My you mom. So she's you. not fully sober. Um, but she was. She, no, she... She, my husband, who's a stoic, um, very, nothing shakes him, right? Mm -hmm. um, she was on him one morning and he was just in the kitchen having coffee and he gave it to her and just laid out, like he never would talk about someone's character defects or whatever, but he just was like, you're so sick. Like, this is crazy. And so what she did was she was numbing. She was taking too much antidepressants, smoking a lot of pot, all that stuff. So she found balance. And, okay. um, and good for her. And she's in a better place okay. now than she's ever been. And okay. I'm really happy for her. I, do I think that there's still work to do be done? Yeah. But there's all, I mean, we all Same, have work to yeah. do. I mean, okay. you know, and she then, did just message me this week and ask me, do you want to go to therapy? Love this. I mean, that's, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. And then Gabby's doing well. Gabby's doing well. I think she still has some trauma work to do in her own time. She's 25 years old. She'll figure it out. She's she's always, out of all of us, had the best head on her shoulders, you know? I don't know if I'm out of line asking this. Do you think that she's one of us? I don't. Okay, okay. Was no. that out of line? No. Okay. No, I don't. I think somehow... Um, I, here's the thing. One of us... In, in the terms of abusing substances, mm -hmm. no. One of us in the emotional healing that needs to happen, yes. So that's, it's confusing. My family is the same where sometimes, and it's like, I don't know why I'm trying to identify these people as this, that, or the other. It's not my business. Yeah. But it's the same situation. It's like there's just healing that needs to be done and the way that they're coping with it is, is wrong. And I see these behaviors and it's not healthy. But yeah, I, yeah. so yeah. I feel like that might be the same thing with yeah. Gabby. I mean, I think we, it doesn't matter if you had a perfect childhood or not. We all have work to do. You yeah. Know? And last question, did Gabby know what was going on? Did Gabby know you guys were using mm -hmm. at the time? Mm -hmm. So even during the show, she's like, they're fucking. Yeah. And yeah. was she just like. <sighs> she was just so distraught all the time. I mean, we really traumatized the fuck out of her. I mean. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Poor More, kid. <laughs> a poor kid, but she's, she's doing it. Um, we're going to take a break. And like I said, we'll come back with that quick segment. I hope I'm not taking too much of your time. You're fine. Okay, cool. All right. It's so much better. It's so much better. Okay. So let's get to some fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So what reality TV or TV do you watch? So I don't watch a lot of reality TV oh, except for The Bachelor. <laughs> no, I'm like, I never watched The Bachelor before, uh, maybe three years ago. Okay. And now I can't stop. Like I watched The Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelorette, although I didn't watch the last season with Hannah, but I am like so fucking excited for this season of the bachelor you have no idea i'm not a bachelor person like i'm very bravo which probably seems bravo. my cow yes so no bravo um i you know i will say this i watched a lot of housewives of 
Beverly Hills, Orange County, in New York. Okay, good answers. <clears throat> and then um, when Kyle Richards' sister, Kim, <sighs> was dealing with her addiction on national television, I just felt so icky about I just I was like I can't watch this anymore I, I just I can't I can't do it and so um I also don't have a lot of space for television in my life like I've got two, kids, got two kids and lots going on and I just and I'm really protective of the type of information that I allow my brain to consume um but Nothing against reality TV. I mean, reality TV is is great. I love that show You on Netflix. I tried watching it. Everybody says that Probably. I look like him, which you I don't think do. so. I wish he's so hot. He is so hot. That show is so good. I tried. I need to try again. Yeah, try again. But so second season's better. better, but you have to watch first season to understand second season. I got the one episode I was so playing on my phone. I, was I like a very, I like, I loved Game of Thrones. I, I know. How weird is that? But I love you and I loved, uh, I love watching Bill Maher. I love watching, okay. like, I love like a big variety of shows. Like if a show's a good show, it's a fucking good show. Big and lies. I'll watch it. Not a big, big little eyes fan. Killing I Eve. watched the whole. F- Killing Eve's amazing. <gasps> High five. Okay, so Killing okay. Eve is where it's at. I love it. She's like She's the best actress I've so ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So good. Um, love her. Um, so yeah, I'm into like a variation, but as far as reality TV goes, you won't see me watching anything on TLC. I think that they're profiting oh. off of um, overweight people, and it's horrible. Everything. Like everything. It's all. It's all about. Fat people, and it's like, why aren't we trying to help these people? <laughs> like, why are we, why are we objectifying this? Like, and I just think it's horrible. It's icky. It leaves me feeling like, like my six hundred pound life. I'm oh like, no, that's insane. This is so sad. This is the saddest shit I've ever watched in my life. This person's slowly killing themselves. Fifty percent of people who are obese have um, sexual abuse and trauma. Makes sense. Fifty fucking percent. It's like these people. Th- this is not okay. okay. No, TLC is especially disgusting. It's horrible. Bravo, like, I do, it's somewhat, like, contradictory. Watch, I want to come back to reality TV, and now I'm talking shit about reality TV. No No one's going to hire me. But it's, like, (laughs) I feel like what I do is somewhat contradictory with my account or the podcast, because it's, like, being sober, and then, like, again, watching active addiction on TV, Mm. and, like, talking about it, and there's the gossip accent. Like, I'm, like... A little bit conflicted sometimes. I also but. know that the Beverly Hills Housewives, while their children may not really understand the impact, they fucking get it. They are playing it up. Yep. They are playing the game. I didn't get it my first season because I was young and naive and on drugs. On drugs, yeah. Had I been doing it now, I'm like, I would make the best reality Wait, TV so star you just, ever. You want to come back to reality TV? I would do it again. I would. Yeah. I would. It. I want to be a real housewife of Beverly. I, I want to be a real housewife of Beverly Hills. Just to like put everyone in their fucking place. place. They need it. Yeah, like a fucking a... reality check. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Kind so of like um, who's the so? Not Jason, the other sober guy on the hills, the younger Brandon. Hot Brandon. One. Yeah, Wait. who's just kind of like you know he's tell. Cool. Yeah, he's just like Did chill you, and. You, so you watch the hills reboot. Um, I watched a couple of episodes because a friend of mine was thinking about doing the second season, and I just wanted to kind because of, they're bringing in new talent because the first season really sucked, 
And so, <laughs> I only watched a few episodes. I watched too. a few episodes. I was like, I, I, was like, I cannot yep. get into this. But I tried to kind of get like a vibe of everybody, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think you'll be a good fit for this show. <laughs> okay, so you watched that. Um, did you watch Lohan's Beach House? I didn't. Okay. It's like I can't watch the train wreck stuff. We'll get into her in a second. <laughs> um, as far as did you watch? Have you watched Dead to Me on Netflix? No, is that a good one? I just told him to watch it. It's incredible. You have to with Christina Applegate. It's okay. Inc- I'm telling you, watch it. Okay, I will. I'll watch that. Did you watch like like older shows? Did you watch Desperate Housewives? I did. Sex in the City, of course. I've watched Friends, Seinfeld. I mean, Weeds. The Office, Weeds, okay. um, <gasps> Gossip Girl. Um, 20 or something Orange. terrible. What? This case was the news yesterday. The Weeds creator, Genji Cohan, who also did Orange is the New Black. Did you watch that? Uh, up until the last two seasons. Same. <laughs> they were skiing two days ago, and her son, their son was like behind them. Oh, stop. And he hit a sign and he oh, died. No. Oh, no. I know, I know. Oh, no. And, oh, no. And, yeah, I know. That's horrible. I know. This is just new information That's I got to so share. Sad. I know. Oh. I know. Wow. Anyways, we're moving to a lighter topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Lindsay Lohan, lighter. No. Um, okay, so there was that. I wanted to ask you about the TV shows. Um, so Luann, speaking of Housewives, though, yes. Housewives New York, an article just came out. Did you see it? No. <laughs> That said, have you followed Did, her story of it? Are you a Countess Luann or a Countess Luann person? <laughs> <laughs> wait, I never heard that. Oh my God. Do you listen to the Bitch Bible? No. Oh my God. You gotta I'm, listen wait, to the Bitch Bible. I have a you need to have Jackie Schimmel on this podcast. I don't even know if I've like, this is, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before. This is very bad. I, I don't, don't really listen, listen to, to podcasts. podcasts. Do you? I didn't before I started podcasting. I listened to one. I listened now to Bitch Sesh. That's the only one. I'm really offended. <laughs> I'm personally <laughs> offended. Now, you'll love um, the Bitch Bible, Jackie Schimmel. She's had, like, all of the housewives on, and she's, okay. you know, she's fucking killing the game. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm... she's probably making, like, a million dollars a year right now at Dear Media at my network. Just Are fucking slaying. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, like, slaying. Aying. Getting them ads. The whole fail. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. She probably gets like 150 to 200,000 downloads in an episode. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, so, very good episodes. Uh, all about the all about the Real Housewives. Okay, so Countess Luann or whatever. You no, do you, do you? No, but I, I'm saying, do you think of her more of like Countess Luann well, or Countess? Luann? It's tough because like certain she's a cunt. Ooh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like certain certain characters. I'm like, you're a monster, Luann. Yeah. I can absolutely recognize is a monster of a human being, but like I like them as characters. Ramona <laughs> Singer yeah. is my number one housewife. Don't know a, a worse human being. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, Jackie feels the same way. Okay, cool. So Countess Luann, she had that arrest and whatever, and then like was sober. Yeah. And then it just came out. She released a statement mm. to people saying, I've decided to start drinking responsibly again. Mm. Which, here's my thoughts. A, I think she's smart to get ahead of it because clearly like people would have seen her and yeah. they're like, she relapsed. I always thought that would happen. I think she was one of the ones that was sober for a legal system. Mm. I actually didn't recognize her to be an alcoholic, but again, that's not my business. Um, What are your thoughts on that? I mean, maybe she can do it, Mm -hmm. but I don't see anything good coming out of this. Okay, me too. And I especially feel really bad when they have kids that are like collateral damage. Yeah, I mean, what do we think about Teresa (gasps) Giudice? They're next. That was next up because Teresa and Joe split. Split. You do follow this. How did they not? No, I follow pop culture news for sure. 
I mean, it's all in my like, Where do you Instagram get it, TMZ? No, oh, do you see like, mine? Well, I just see, like, I scroll through Instagram and, like, this shit is happening. And did you hear about, like, I follow E! News and all that shit. Okay. We love this. Alexis um, Myers keeps up. <laughs> I keep up. <laughs> okay. Um, I was surprised that in years ago, I mean, when she it's went to prison and he went to prison, you. I mean, it was just, like, nuts. It was also, expected. talk about fucking privilege, that one of them gets to go at a time. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> And you know what? I pay so much in fucking taxes, it pisses me off when people don't pay their taxes. I'm, or, like, yeah. use loopholes. I'm like, you know what? Pay your fucking fair share. Like because they're going to prison separately. Separately. <laughs> when they said that, I remember that sentencing coming out, and I was like, what? No, yeah. I don't think they realized how good they had it. No. That is interesting. So that was one thing. And they got to go to a cushy prison, prison too. They didn't go to jail. They oh, didn't no, go they to, went to federal they prison. Is so, so minimum nice. is so cushy. <laughs> like county jails, guys, yeah. suck. Yeah. I've been to downtown. <clears throat> been to county jails. Brutal. Brutal. You get pulled in there like cattle. You get bust on those buses and uh-huh. sit in traffic. It's the worst. It's the worst. And then you have to get naked and show your butthole to everybody and uh-huh. cough. Oh, uh-huh. my God. It's so humiliating. Do they, like, in, for men's, they segregate you down there. Oh, no, you line up. No, but they, and women's. then after that, and they're like, they, they, after that, they segregate you. They're like, okay, the white, like, by race. Oh, by race. Uh huh. No, no, we weren't segregated by race. Oh, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I, yeah. when I went into, when I first surrendered myself and went into the jail cell, I was the only white girl there. And the rest were black. And I, um, just sat there like, feeling like I was going to get attacked. I didn't, because that's what you hear about in jail. Like, yeah. that, like that is, is so, ra- no, I was fine. That was my fear too. I'm like, you're actually fine. I, I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to fucking get jumped right now. Like, I'm the only, like, what are you in here for? Like, no one talked to me. There was like one chick shitting on the toilet. I sat down <laughs> in the only space available, which was right next to her. Because it's like one toilet in a room of 30 people. So I if know. you got to go, you got to go in front of, I'm, I'm a shy about, it's brutal. I didn't pee for three days. Talk about like, <laughs> humiliating though like yeah. we just we can't even treat our inmates well but anyways i thought i was like i'm gonna get jumped like this is what you hear about whatever i was fine okay i don't know same no one talked to me but it was okay okay well i like made friends i feel like um <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh um okay next piece of news and i want you to touch on him a bit mm. there's new justin bieber's music what do you think of his justin bieber is a hard call Right? Because it's like sometimes you think he's doing fine. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes you're like, he's really not fine. He looks mathed out. Yeah, it's sad. Is that mean to say? I don't know. I I think Haley Bieber, God bless her, is doing the best she can. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he's almost like a, like not a charity case, but something for her to take care of. I feel the same way. Am I a bitch? No, I feel the same way. She just wants someone to take care of. Yes. It's a very weird dynamic. Have you seen him? He like carries around this IV bag. What? Wait, this is it's a new development for myself too. Okay, I have to show you a picture. Like, it looks like a lunchbox, and he's like carrying it over his arm, and it's like feeding an IV into his arm, and he's carrying it everywhere. Oh, that's I sad. I hope he's okay. okay. I don't know. I feel like a lot of these like child stars, you know, like something. I don't know. I don't think it's good. Okay. I'm actually having my friend AJ on, who was a child star, in a couple of weeks on the podcast. I think I know I who really I saw wanna... on your Instagram. Yeah. 
I don't, yeah. You can say it. I don't care. Backstreet AJ Boys. from the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. And I want to dive into like what that was like. I dated a child. And yeah, it's, I mean, they're. I don't he, think it's ever good. He was a damaged adult. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, Speaking of child stars, so next. <laughs> so guys, Lindsay Lohan is returning to America. Oh, she's leaving. Is she in Saudi Arabia? Okay. So remember she was like in London and then she went to Greece, then Dubai. And oh, then Dubai. Now she's living in Oman. And like, okay, yeah, it sounds bad, I just, but per I, your here's story when earlier. <laughs> <laughs> here's when I knew it was bad when she was pretending to speak Arabic to those poor people on the street and trying to take their child away. And got punched away. in the face. I mean, incredible. the it, balls. But it's not the balls. It's like the mental health. The like sickness. that make yeah. Do you think, okay, so here's the thing too. And then like she just appeared on something for New Year's like, she has never stopped drinking. I think for one point when she was trying to do the own thing, she had tried because she was post rehab. But like anytime she's been overseas, like I think she's actively. Mm. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Although I don't want to speculate, but it I is know. very sad. It's, that's what I mean. It's conflicting. I don't want to speculate because I want to be a good person of the program. <laughs> but I'm like. <sighs> yeah. No. I mean, there's definitely something that's not going right there. Okay. And she's coming back to America. What do you think on that? I think she definitely belongs in America. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, with the risky behaviors that she has shown, I don't think it's good to be any, you know, like in the Middle East or in Europe or God. wherever. I mean, she, she, I always thought, God forbid she gets arrested there. There. Uh-huh. Or is that, I mean, who knows? And I, and I don't know what that system is like over there um, because I, I'm not really... You know, I, I, I like to learn a lot about the world, but I, I don't know a lot about the Middle East. But I can't imagine if, you know, that it would be good. Okay, right. But so with her, and this is what I want to differentiate, is that a lot of people kind of like combine Lindsay, Brittany, Amanda Bynes, Paris, like as if they're all one. I'm like, they're all very Paris is not a and part of I, that. I say that. And Paris is not one Paris, of us. Paris, no. She can party. Which, yeah. She looks fucking amazing. Amazing. Like, who is your fucking doctor? Badass businesswoman. Badass businesswoman. Now hanging out, making a smart-ass move, hanging out with all of these young YouTubers, like the yep. Tana Mango or whatever. whatever her name is. You keep up a lot. Um, well, just because yeah. Tana just messaged me recently and wanted to come on the podcast. And I was Honest. like, yeah. Um, and then she ghosted me, which is fine. But um, she keeps up. My girlfriend does all of their hair. Yeah. Not... Paris's, but all of the YouTubers. So I, I know a little bit about all of that. But Paris is fucking smart. She's, just, she's smart. And while she has lost a lot in love. <laughs> the that poor girl thing, is never not getting engaged she, and ending I, I mean, it is so sad because uh-huh. I know she probably wants to like get married and More have babies. Yeah. But she's like 44 now? No, oh my God, she's 37. 37? No way. Because yeah. I know the Kardashians are in their 40s now. Or approaching no, no, their 40s. Okay. Courtney's yes. 40. Kim Kim's? just turned 39. Okay. Chloe's 35. Okay. So you're telling me Paris Hilton is like 30. She, I'm almost, I'm almost positive she's 37. 37. Right she's 37. I bet you. Okay, well, she looks amazing. She looks incredible still. no matter what. She look, you know, Doesn't, And she's still young. So Wait, take it her, back. I'm so sorry. On her 30th birthday, the paparazzi <laughs> call her. And they're like, Paris, how do you feel about turning 30? And she goes, at least I still look like I'm 20. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. She's 38? She's 38. I did so say she, that. Okay, so okay. there you go. She's She is fucking smart. And while... Agree. 
leaving your house unlocked for people to burglar <laughs> over and over again was I not the smartest the thing here. in the whole world. I forgot about the connection. But she's a fucking badass. Wait, speaking of that connection, I forgot to touch. And so, yes, of course, her family's given her money and all of the things, she's, right? She's but she's it done out. a lot with turned it. it out. Mm-hmm. Wait, I forgot to ask you, speaking of Lindsay, so you have run into her since? Uh, yeah, in a place where we all commune, and us folks that are in sobriety. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, oh, I always feel like she, okay. Okay. I'll ask you that off air. Um, and you had words with her. Uh, she commented on how cute my baby was and I said, thank you so much. And she knew who you are. Her, uh, pretty sure she fucking did. <laughs> and we just kept it real light and moved on. I'm surprised though, if she knew who you were, that she would even say that. I think that she, um, she hangs out with, like, a lot of regular people, too. And I yeah. think that she just kind of... I think she's just looking for connection. And I don't know. Like, look, she, she knew who I was. Like, I didn't rob her house. I don't know. I think she yeah. she knows that because the surveillance video showed. You know, and I'm sure yeah. there's probably maybe a little bit of resentment there. But I didn't personally harm her in any way. Except for... The interview. The interview. <laughs> which I <laughs> which I brought up here. <laughs> apologize for. I'll never forget you sitting. Was it with Matt Lauer that you were sitting with? No, it was with someone I used to date who was an E! News correspondent. Can you say the name? I mean, I'm going to look it It was it Michael Yao. Okay, okay. Oh, I remember that was featured a little bit, I think, on the show. And no. No. Chelsea Handler. He used to be on the run t- table all the time, and Chelsea Handler outed us. Right. Okay. Sorry, moving forward. That's okay. Lindsay, Brittany. Brittany is such a sad, so sad. And actually, the social media girl who posts on my Recovering From Reality account posted a video of her the other day. You know, like, like one of those videos where, like, the, like, New Year, New Me, all the things pop up, like the tiktok video, and I almost wanted to take it down just because it's so sad. My best gay friend, like, does her hair. And I, uh, there are no words. So I know a lot of people because she used to go to a salon that mm-hmm. my friend, I feel like we might be talking about the same person and that she, nobody ever wants to be attached and give their name to it because she stops them or she says, no, no, no. And like, yeah. it's okay. Yep. It takes like three days to do her hair. And I've exp- I explained this on a recent podcast. People goes, what go up? Like, she has so much money. Why does her hair and makeup look like that? I was like, because she does not. She can't do it. I mm-hmm. saw her. At a local restaurant because we live kind of close together a few months ago. And my it just, uh, it's the saddest thing. Because I feel like if she was on appropriate meds, she'd be stable. And she's clearly not. So that's what it is with her too. And again, I'm not trying to identify, but yet kind of am. With her, I think it's just like mental illness and it's not yeah. addiction. No, it's not addiction. It's mental either. illness. It's yeah. so, it actually makes me like... It my actually sis- breaks, my breaks my heart for the children, for the whole situation. My sister's like always been a big fan of her, and I always talk. We're like, poor Brittany. She seems so sweet, and it makes me so sad. Yeah, yeah. Last one, Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes, that recent I, photo okay. that she posted on Instagram with the tattoo. <sighs> I have to be trouble. Another got, one with the mental illness. I got in trouble about some Amanda Bynes stuff on you here a few weeks ago. You have to be very careful. And, and careful, not in that you won't, you know, like take sh- careful in the sense that 
we need to be compassionate and loving and kind to people who are really struggling. And she is one who's really struggling. So with her... And why isn't someone taking away her social media? She should not have social media. I don't think. Um, <laughs> do you think that it's mental illness and addiction? I think... Okay, so I treat a lot of people at the treatment center with bipolar. We are a dual diagnosis facility. And what I find with bipolar is that it while they can't safely use or consume drugs or alcohol, it is primarily mental health and bipolar and that the drinking and using is their way of feeling more normal, mm. but that that's not the main issue. You know, we have a lot of people that come in that are blackout drinkers that have bipolar disorder and it takes a long time to stabilize them, but the, it's not the alcohol. It's, it's the mania that is the issue. Okay. Very I, sad situation. I agree. I'm very, honest. very sad. Yeah. It's somebody, and then it's it's kind of the same thing, too, where with Brittany. I think those those are the only two cases that I say are somewhat similar. Mm. Modesty addiction aspect of They Brittany. are very similar. But as far as the mental health thing, and I always mm. say it's so sad because you will see that, like, glimpse of hope, and you're like, they're doing okay. But even so, sometimes, like, and it would kind of bother me. It would be featured on, like, e-news or something where... They're like, they're doing great. And I'll see a picture of them and I can tell it's like, no, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's so obvious. And here's the thing that I have decided when I was in early sobriety, I I would see all these starlets that would have, you know, gone in and out of of promises and whatever in in the news. And I made a conscious decision not to return to TV, even though I got countless offers to do so, because I knew that had I done it, I would have... I would have killed myself or gone insane. Yeah. And um, the sad thing with the Demi Lovatos and all of these young starlets is that their families rely on them so much to provide them with income that they are almost forced to go back to work to do it. Yeah. So 100%. It's really sad. It is really sad. All right, well, that was pretty much it for that segment. I just I was like, I, I love how I was like, we're going to have a fun segment. The last <laughs> words were, it's really sad. It's <laughs> um, okay. No, I wanted your opinion. It's Again, it's a different perspective. And I think what's unique about getting a sober perspective on celebrities is that there's something going on. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So to wrap up, I want you to just really quickly promote anything you would like to promote. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, my book just came out. Recovering, Recovering from, reality. from reality. I decided to keep it the same name as the podcast just because it's so fucking fitting and perfect. That's Branding. available on Amazon right now. Um, it's been a bestseller, which is great. I saw you change your Instagram. It said bestselling author. Yeah, because yeah. it hit. Well, it didn't stay on the bestsellers list, but that's okay. Because you know what? We sold a fuck ton of copies that first week, and that's amazing. And I'm really happy about that. So... The book is doing really well. It's available on Amazon, and I have an awesome podcast. I think it's fucking awesome. Um, and that is also called Recovering from Reality, and you can follow me on Instagram at It's Alexis Haynes. You know what I thought of real quick is when I changed my Instagram name, I was like, I hope she doesn't think I'm copying me, you, but I had to put an it's in front of mine because it's there's not no, available. Yeah, that's the problem with having a common name. Yeah. Jeff Epstein, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. Instagram, 
podcast, book. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Coming out with a course, a couple great courses in 2020, which I'm really looking forward to. So if you're interested in self-development, reparenting work, sobriety 101, all of these things, this is what I'm working on for 2020. Killing it. And right. Bravo Andy hit me up so I can be a real housewife. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, so that's next next step is we're gonna get you on Bravo. Not just like reality TV. I want Alexis Nyers on Bravo. On Bravo. I'm here for it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Alright, well thank you again so much for coming. Thank you. So glad we made this happen. And uh guys, thank you for listening. I will see you next week. It's so much better. A Diamond Heart Production.